0: Well, church, I'm going to start today with a question. Don't answer it out loud, but do answer it. Have you ever made a decision and you really knew it wasn't going to end well? I mean, you, you, you knew. <laughs> I know. Oh, Jeremy, I've got many myself as well. I, I've done that more than I care to imagine, especially um, in high school. I mean, I got a journal full of these decisions. And uh, there's one particular one that I've actually shared this before, so I'm just going to give you a highlight of it, but this, this evening, a friend of mine made a decision, made decisions like that. Like, there's no way, there's no, no possible way this could end well. None. And, and then when you mix in, as we did that night, adult beverages, which we had no, no business drinking as high schoolers, when you mix that in, the, the decisions are magnified, and they are multiplied, right? We know this. So, A friend and I took a road trip to a football game as high schoolers, and we get to the game, we watch the game, and we're having these beverages, and then we we start driving home, and and this is the decision. We thought it would be, for some crazy reason, a good idea to take some off-roads and stop by some particular houses on the way home and like knock their mailboxes off, just knock them down. But we weren't complete criminals and heathens because we also didn't want to litter. So we picked the mailboxes up and throw them in the backseat of our car. I'm like, at what point is, how could this end well? I don't know, in my high school male brain, here's what I think I was thinking. I'm thinking to myself, This is what's going to happen. We're going to get back to small town South Dakota and we're going to go start dragging Maine and some really hot girls are going to see our car and they're going to be like, oh, did you knock off those mailboxes all by yourself? You're so strong. Can we get in and like make out? I mean, that's what I thought would happen. That wasn't even close. We never even made it back to small town Salem, South Dakota. We got picked up by the police. Uh, By the way, it turns out that messing with mailboxes is a federal offense, if you didn't know. So it is, but praise God they seal those juvenile records up. That's why I could be a pastor today. I just, how is it going to end well? Have you made decisions where you know? I mean, maybe it's like you've dated off and on. You've broken up six different times, but this time it's going to be different. This time I'm, I'm going to change them, right? And I just want to lovingly tell you, you know, unless he wears diapers, only Jesus can change him. I we know that firsthand. It's just a fact. By the way, never go back to anything that you prayed your way to get out of. Okay? We could stop the message right there and go home. Could we? Never go back to anything you prayed your way to get out of. Have you made decisions where you know it's going to end well? Have you been in situations where it's almost like God is saying go here and you're purposely going here, the opposite direction? If you have, you're not alone. There's a, a man in the Bible, and, and let, I'll just say this. Even if you're not, a, a, you're not into the Bible much, or you didn't grow up going to church, you've probably heard of the story. Um, in fact, you can shout out his name when you know it. But this, this man was once eaten by a fish. Who is that? Jonah, yeah. Did someone say Noah? Okay, okay yeah, they're both, both water. But anyway, so, but Jonah... Jonah was, true story, swallowed by a fish. Today you're going to hear the story of Jonah. But it, it's way bigger than just this big fish. It is insane. And it's, I, I pray, I've been praying for you this week, that how this hits you. Oh, man. So, I'm, so go to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Old Testament is just before, the period of time before Jesus came to earth as a human. That's Old Testament, the story of the Israelites and God's chosen people. Well, Jonah was a prophet that God would speak to. And then he would speak to the people. And I'm not going to set it up. I'm going to set it up by giving you the word of God. Jonah's four chapters. I'm going to touch on a few of them. But we're going to park on chapter three. But I want to set it up in chapter one. Verse one. Just start with the the very beginning of the story. Because it's important. This is what the word of God says in Jonah one. The Lord gave a message to Jonah. Son of Amittai. Get up Jonah. Go to the city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked those people are. So Jonah gets up, and this is where it gets kind of comical, goes in the opposite direction of where God said to go. There we go. He, he goes down to Joppa. He finds a ship that's leaving for a place called Tarshish. He jumps, gets a ticket, gets on board, and, and this is funny, hoping to escape from the Lord. I mean, that's like trying to escape from error. I mean, you can't do it. But he's trying to escape from the Lord by sailing to this place in modern-day Spain. I'm going to show you, because a lot of these words and cities, you're like, I don't even get it. So, look, the, the Bible takes place, the narrative, in the Middle East. So, on the right, you see Jerusalem. Uh, that you've maybe have heard of that. And then right above is Gath-Hefer. This is, this is where Jonah would be. When God gives him the command, he's supposed to go up and to the right over to Nineveh. B is on the map. That's Nineveh. That's where he's supposed to go. Instead, he goes down a little bit to Joppa, jumps on a boat, and look how far he wants to go from God. That's, that's 2,600 miles. He's trying to get that far away from what God says. It is insane. But before we can give Jodah too much guff and say, what's wrong with you? You're, not, you're disobedient i got to give you context of why Jonah is making this decision. Why Jonah is running from God or wanting to. Understand something. Do you see up where he's supposed to go? That's Nineveh. It's in a nation called Assyria. Assyria, they're the enemies of the Israelites. So God is telling Jonah to go to the enemy territory. And they're not just enemies. They're a heinous people. That's why God is wanting to basically destroy them. Like, I'll tell you a few things that Assyria was known for. Violence, showing no mercy. They would impale live victims with sharp pole, on sharp poles and leave them to roast to death in the desert. True story. They beheaded thousands of people and would stack their skulls in piles by the city gates. They would skin people alive. They would even kill babies and children because they simply don't want to take care of them. That's that's. And Jonah's a Jewish man, and they're Gentiles, they're non-Jews, they're pagans. And I'm sure Jonah's thinking, you want me to go there and help them? You want me to help the enemy? God, it's hard enough to pray for our enemies, isn't it? Like, like for some of you, like those of you that have to back into every parking spot, you know who you are. Everyone, I get it for convenience and to get out, quick escape, I get that. But we're, when we're at Costco on a Saturday, and you're trying to back into this tight spot for, for 15 minutes and cars are, oh my gosh, I do pray for you. God, blow out their transmission in Jesus' name. So I'm like, okay, back. So this is crazy. Jonah, I'm sure he's thinking, I am one guy, I'm one Jewish man, and you want me to go there. How, God, how am I to get them to believe what you're saying? And isn't that the problem? God wasn't asking Jonah to get them to believe anything. See, this is why many of us sometimes don't even accept the call that God gives us and don't answer answer the call because we start to add on to what we think God is asking us to do and what our expectations are. Oh, God, they're not gonna believe me. I'm not gonna convince them. Well, Jonah, here's the good news. God didn't ask you to to get them to believe you or convince them. All God asked you to do, Jonah, is go and announce something. That's it. See, obedience is what God calls us to do. Outcome is what God does. That's not your job. That's not my job. When we invite others to even to Super Bowl or to church or, or anywhere, our job is just to do what we're called to do. But we will constrive so many things that are ahead about how, what's going to happen, it prevents us. I mean, we buy a ticket, we jump on a boat, and we head away from what God wants. It's, it's crazy. So, By the way, everything in God's word, I'm just going to add this, everything in God's word, I mean, it's not take it or leave it. And we can be guilty of that. Sometimes I can be guilty of that. Like, I like what that says, God, but I don't really like, God's word isn't take it or leave it. Like, we, we must listen and obey. Why? I'll tell you why. Because disobedience never ends well for us. It never does. Disobedience never ends well for you, and it never ends well for me. You want to, can I, I'll show you. You want to know how chapter one ended? Speaking of disobedience and Jonah jumping on the ship. How does it end, God, in chapter one? Verse 17. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish, now here's the part we know, right? To swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And sometimes people are like, see, that's why I don't believe in the Bible. Seriously, there's no way. And I always say, I know what you're saying. Seems fishy to me, too. You know, know, I I, I get it. So, sorry. Uh, It is a true story. Jesus would even affirm that story. So it did happen. It's nuts. The very next verse is in the next chapter. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. I, I I bet he did. When you're inside of a fish, you know, you're using the liver as your pillow. You get real religious really quick. It's like, God, I, I repent, and, and Jonah's prayer, I'm not going to give you much of chapter two. Chapter two, I really want you to read. I'd love for you to read the whole story of Jonah, chapter one, two, three, four this week. That's really a marching order, an assignment, if you want to take that. I hope you do. Um, I'll give you a summary of chapter two, because the prayer, this fishy prayer that Jonah prays, is pretty, it's, it's authentic. It's real. I mean, when you're in the guts of a fish, you have nothing to lose. It's like, I'm just going to shout out and cry out to God. And I'll, I'll summarize the prayer, four things Jonah did. He prayed for God's help. He accepted God's discipline. He trusted God's promises. And he yielded to God's will. Pause. I can promise you this. If you do these four things and you do nothing else, your life will drastically change. It will change like you cannot believe if you just do what Jonah prayed and then did in the fish. Prayed for God's help, accepted God's discipline, trusted God's promises, and yielded to God's will. If you don't think a prayer like that can move the heart of God, well, it did. Because let me tell you how chapter 2 ends. Last verse. Then the Lord ordered the fish. I mean, he's ordering fish around. I love it. Then the Lord ordered a fish to spit Jonah onto the beach. So God spares the life of Jonah after hearing this prayer. Now, church, we get into the meat. Now we get into chapter 3, and I'm going to read you every verse. There's only 10. I promise it's not going to take long. But it's so crazy good. So here's where we're at. Remember where we're at, Jonah's... Fish guts all over him he's hanging out on the beach wondering what in the heck and we pick up the story chapter 3 verse 1 you could call this Jonah take two because this is the second take now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying arise Jonah go to Nineveh that great city preach to it the message that I tell you so what's Jonah gonna do well Let's watch. So Jonah arose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three-day journey in extent. Nineveh was huge. I mean, it had a 60-mile circumference around it. Over 120,000 people in it. It In those times, this is a major, major city. Jonah enters the city on the first day walk. And he, this is what he says. He gives the Lord's command that God told him to give. Yet 40 days, or in other words, in 40 days, he says, Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh shall be destroyed. That's all he had to say. Now, if you don't think God is working behind the scenes after he gives you a call and a command to work on the hearts of whoever he needs to work on that are, that are in your direction... Watch the response. This is a pagan nation. A nation that doesn't even worship or believe the God of Israel, Isaac, or of of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. They're they're pagans. Why would they believe this? Watch what they do. So the people of Nineveh, verse 5, believed God. Proclaimed a fast. Something we're in the middle of as a church. They put sackcloth on. From the greatest to the least, that would show like a, a repentance. Then the word that Nona, or that Nona, now I'm combining anyway, so that Jonah, that Jonah gave, got all the way to the king. The king hears the word, arises from the throne, lays aside his robe, covers himself with a sackcloth and satin ashes. Again, this is a posture of repentance and almost mourning. He caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. In other words, this is what he said to the whole city. The king speaking. Let neither man nor beast, herd or nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. <laughs> That's a serious fast. I mean, I, this is the only example i know of in the word of god where they're calling the pets to fast i mean the animals have to fast now i we have a dog in our house and he is an idolatrous dog and he worships food like i've never seen in my life so he's i mean he's cute i'll show you a picture he's cute but but understand something about rudy this, is the, this isn't just, oh, he's so cute and precious. No, this is the look he gives when he sees somebody get up and walk towards the fridge. That's what he does. Burr. You know, it's like, he, will, he doesn't, if, I, if we made him fast, Jody, you, she's already like, mm nope. He would, he would kill us in our sleep and eat us. I know he would. He ain't that innocent. I know you. So the, the, the animals are fasting. The people are fasting. This is crazy, so verse 8, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't let them eat, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth and cry mightily to God. This pagan, merciless, heinous city is, is doing an act of worship that is unbelievable. Yes, the king said, let everyone Turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And then he says, who can tell? Who can tell if God might relent and turn? Turn away from his fierce anger so that we might not be destroyed, that we might not perish. Can prayer and fasting really change a direction of a life? Can prayer and fasting really move the heart of God? Verse 10. Then God, he looks down, he sees their fasting, he sees their prayers, he sees their repentance, he sees their works, what they're doing, that they turn from their evil way. God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. He didn't do it 21 days of prayer and fasting if you're new we've been doing that as a church and there's a web there's a button on our website you can click on to join us for this final seven-day journey it's powerful when we do the power of the Ninevites doing that together the king the king was king for a reason he wasn't dumb he at least knew this about God we all got to be in We all got to do this. Pets, animals, I don't, camels, we're all in this. If we want God to do something that only God can do, then we must do what only we can do right now. All of us. And they do it. So this is what I want you to take away from the message so far. Prayer and fasting sends a message to heaven. When you do that, that's what you're doing. God, I'm aware of my sin. I'm a mess up. I get it. And how I've turned away from you. That's what, that's what the king was declaring. Remember what he said? Our evil, let, let the evil go in our hands. Let's turn. God, I'm aware of my sin. And number two, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to come back to you. This is a message that you send to heaven every time you go to God and you talk to him. See, prayer, prayer and fasting do a lot of things. But, but to repent and turn to God, it doesn't get bigger than that. Does prayer and fasting change circumstances? You better believe it does. God doesn't change. That's a whole nother topic. But does your prayer change what you're going through? Or can it? Absolutely. Jonah's prayer in the belly of a fish got him to be spit up alive on a beach. The Ninevites' prayer and fasting saved a nation, saved a a city, a huge city that was going to be destroyed, every one of them. Prayer and fasting gives you a second chance. Anybody grateful for second chances? Man. Prayer and fasting gives you a new beginning. I've heard it said, I don't know who said it, but I like it, that the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. I like that. It's, it's a fact. And we think of these epic um, characters in the Bible, real people, like the Jonas and the Noahs, and we think they're somehow so much more, you know, pious than we are, so much more holy. Dude, They were messed up. They needed second chance. Sh- Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham would, would flee to Egypt, lie about his wife, And God would give him another chance. Jacob lied to his dad, Isaac. God would restore Jacob and then use him to build the nation of Israel. Moses murdered a guy. He fled to Egypt and God selects Moses to be the leader of his chosen people. Peter would deny the Lord Jesus three times. What does Jesus do? Jesus forgives Peter and says, follow me. Look up here. When you fail, and you will, and I will, when you fail, the enemy wants you to believe that it is all over, and there is no hope but God shows us that time and time again that He is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chance. For some of us, so many chances we can't even count. That's what God does in our lives. He did it back then and He does it today. But, but our posture and our obedience and our worship do matter. Our fasting matters, your prayer matters. People will think they hear the word Jonah. Oh, I know the story. It's about that's about Jonah and the fish. I would contend it's a story about Jonah and God. I mean, the fish is mentioned four times. Last time I counted God, 38 times in Jonah. As Jonah tried to run from God, was God happy about that? Mm mm. Was God displeased with Jonah? Yes, he was. But here's why I say it's a story about Jonah and God. Because as I read through it over and over, as Jonah's running from God and making these horrible choices, God never leaves him. God never deserts him. God never abandons him. God was with him. Think about this. We didn't even talk much about Jonah being in the boat for a storm. You got to read that. As you read it this week, but I'm telling you that when he jumped on that boat to Tarshish, God controlled the storm. When Jonah was in the boat, God was there. God, God guided the great fish. That was God doing that. It was God that would save Jonah from the depths and despair of the deep waters. God was with Jonah every step of the way. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See, you may have walked away from God, but he'll never walk away from you. You may have given up on God, but he'll never give up on you. Ever. He doesn't. He, is, he pursues you, even in your sin and your mess. The Ninevites? They're killing God's chosen people in disgusting ways. Oh, okay. Chapter four is the last chapter. I'm going to leave that up to you. Here's what I promise you. It doesn't end like you think it's going to end. Oh, it's Jonah's it's all good. And he's all Jonah, Jonah's ticked. Think about this. Jonah's heart is so, so like mine. I want what I want. Jonah was mad at God. God saved, God saved 120,000 people. Didn't kill them. And Jonah, Jonah's like, I wish you would have killed them. Jonah is mad because God relented. Because God showed mercy. Think about his heart. It's so human. It, it's, it's nuts. He is ticked at God. I can't believe. He, he, you'll read this part. I knew that would happen. Well, of course, it's God. I knew you'd do that. You're so merciful. Why well, do you like that? You know? He hated it. Jonah was so mad. That's how much he hated the Ninevites. That's how much destruction they would cause. I can relate so much to Jonah. I'll give you one verse. Uh, I'll do this for you. I'll tell you. I've been given you first verses and last verses. I'll give you the last verse in the entire book of Jonah. I'll set it up for a second. Jonah's complaining. Jonah's bawling. Jonah's mad. Jonah's ticked at God. And God is handling Jonah in such a tender, loving way. Like, if I was God, there's so many reasons I'm not God. God is just like, he's just... He gets it with Jonah. He's like, Jonah, I understand you're mad. I I know what they've done. I know what they did to your cousin, how they did that to him in the desert. I know what they did to your best friend. I know that. But listen to me. You know how I gave you a second chance, Jonah? So this is, I don't know if there's any other book in the Bible that ends with a question. This one does. And it's a question that God poses to Noah. But Nineveh, Jonah, Has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Jonah, if they die that way, they go to hell. Not to mention all the animals. God has a heart for animals. We see that. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a city? Don't you see my heart, Jonah? It's not about what they've done. It's about what I can do. It's not about how bad they are, Jonah. It's about how good I am. They deserve mercy like you deserve mercy. None of us really deserve it. That's why it's called mercy. Th- this, this picture, the Bible's so raw and real. That's why I'm desperate for you to read 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days. Because if you do, it'll change your days. Promise you. This this it's not a fairy tale ending. Jonah is just, he's like, God, whatever. You ever said that to God? I have, whatever. At the end of the day, Jonah still wanted God to focus on what Jonah wanted. See, we can either just keep hounding on God, God, focus on what I want, or we can start to focus on what God wants. When you do the latter, I'm not saying it's easy. Last week, if you watched online or listened or were in the room, I shared a story, a personal story at the end about just how I fall, how I fail as a parent, I talked specifically about my daughter Ava, and I struggle, I always struggle with that, because in my humanness and in my fear, and I thought about that story, even, and you guys were so gracious, no one said, oh, I can't believe you, and you know, maybe you thought that, maybe people left because of it, I don't know, but... I kept thinking about that story, and I'm like, I kind of started to have my Jonah moment. And I'm like, I I thought, here's what I thought this week. I thought, God, why do I have so many stories about my mess-ups? I think the church can handle the stories when I was in my drug addiction. They, like, like expect to hear, oh, my gosh, he was so this, but then God, and yay. I I said, God, I seem to have a few too many stories and illustrations about my screw-ups and my just my fallenness as not just somebody who has Christ living in me, but a leader. And I start to like, it, it's so weird. God's timing is so good as he directs us in the word. But, but you guys, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I was like, what? that's not okay. Like, that's not okay as a leader in God's church to, you should, you know, and the stories have gotten less. That's great. But I'm like, I don't. And here's what I started to think to myself with me kind of arguing with God. I'll start to think like, oh, I bet God's thinking this. <laughs> Poor God. The conversations we have, I'm surprised I, he just says, crap, You know, uh, maybe when I meet him, he'll be like, you're so, I know, I'm dumb. Here's what I wrote. I was believing this week at a point, in, in a point this week. This is what I told God. God, I don't even... You, probably, you can't really use me the way that you want to use somebody to lead in the capacity that you want to lead. Like you, not only God, here's how crazy it is, not only can't you use me, I don't, I'm not convinced you want to use me. It gets worse. This, our, our, our mind is, I say, God, I'm not sure not only that you don't want to use me, but you don't want me. This is how quickly it can turn in our lives when we get in our heads, right? That's why God says renew yourselves by changing the way you think in Romans because if we start thinking in our own head instead of in Christ, we will tell ourselves stories. Have you, are you telling yourself stories right now? Maybe you're telling yourself stories this week or this year. Insane stories if you told somebody else. Like I told you that, you guys are like, are you kidding me? That's the dumbest thing I know. Why would I think that thing? God can't use me. God doesn't want nothing to do with me. Because, you know what, I have too many stories in Christ of still screwing up. And then he brings me to the word, he brings me to Jonah, and I'm reading about Jonah. And then in our purpose groups, those are our discipleship groups at the church. It's like God was, it's like God was sitting with me like he sat with Jonah, and he's just listening and thinking. Oh. But he lets me, lets me rant, lets me talk, lets me cry, lets me have a pity party. And then he leans in, maybe like he's leaning in with you right now. And he caresses me, and he grabs me, and he holds me, holds me tight. Just to assure me. And this week, it's like he said. You know, you know the apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Like he penned the word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Monty, and you think you're messed up? And I'm like, I do. And I'm not sure that you. you I, I'm, I'm like, God, you got the wrong guy. And God will bring me back to the word and say, did I have the wrong guy when I, when I went after Saul and he became Paul? And in our purpose groups, we're reading 1 Timothy 1. God's timing. 1 Timothy 1, 1 verse 15. This is what he has me read. This is a trustworthy saying. It's Paul writing to Timothy, but to you and I as well and everyone ooh everyone means anyone and anyone is everyone should accept it christ jesus came into the world to save sinners and then paul adds and i am the worst of them all and i always want to say paul no you're not you got to fight me for that title right i'm that i'm the worst of, this is paul probably the most epic christian who ever walked the earth i'm the worst but God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as the prime example of His great patience, even with the worst sinners. You beating yourself up, I'm the worst. I'm a mess. I keep doing. Well, you're in good company. Not that you should keep doing that, but you can turn like the Ninevites and like Paul and like Jonah. but I'm the wor- even the worst of sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And I just read that and I'm in myself and God knocks me out of myself. Thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. You're pa- and the word patience got me because he's so patient with me. As I get in my head and I start, the devil starts to try to get me to discount anything that we're doing or that I'm trying to do or whatever. And God says, I've got you, I, I love you, and in your, in your messed up state, I'm still gonna use you, use you and use you and use you and use you and use you to show others if God can save a wretch like me, oh, there's hope. Some of you, you gotta stop running from God. You gotta stop running from him, whether it's mentally or even physically. Today is the day that you gotta stop running that you got to turn to him like the Ninevites did, like Jonah did, like Paul eventually did. you got to stop. Because I'm telling you, you can't, like we learned with Jonah, you can't outrun the love of God. You can't outsin the grace of God. God is that good that he continually pursues you in your mess, in your muck, in your dirt, in your grime. He comes after you. Turn to him. Turn to him. But I'm mad at him. He can take it. Tell him you're mad at him. I'm pissed at God. Tell him he can take it. I've told him numerous times. He'll just sit you down if you let him. And he'll look you in the eye and he'll love you and let you vent. And he'll remind you who you are and whose you are. It's what he's in the business of doing. It's what the gospel is all about. Jesus affirmed Jonah was in the fish. Jesus said it. In Matthew, you can look it up yourselves. He says, I, I will rise like Jonah rose three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. I'll be the belly of the earth for three days. And on the third day, this is where the hope comes from for any of us. That in our dead, in our mess, in our, in our sin, God sent Jesus. That's what he said in 1 Timothy. God sent Jesus. He came in the world to save Who? Sinners, oh, I qualify for that. So, by the grace of God, He sends Jesus to die and and, and cover sins that you can't cover and you can't take away. But you have to receive it by faith and believe Jesus, who is who He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and believe the statements that He makes, like, I was dead on the cross. But just like Jonah was, was basically dead inside of a fish, three, three days, three nights, so, was, so, so I will be too, he says in Matthew. But on the third day after being dead on a cross, I will rise up from the dead, and the tomb will no longer be full, but it will be empty. That's the greatest news in the world. Jesus Christ was a dead, dead, but today he lives. You can trust that. If a man can resurrect himself, you can trust him you can believe in him. He's alive today. Physically on a throne next to the Father in heaven. Spiritually here as what we refer to as the Holy Spirit. Moving in your life. I pray today that God, you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Some of you are hearing, I need to invite more. Some of you are hearing, I need to stop talking that way or acting that way. Some of you are hearing, I need to confess to somebody. Some of you are hearing, I need to pray with somebody after the service. You're all hearing different things because the Holy Spirit is that good. He will speak to everybody individually on purpose. But here's my prayer, is that if you've never received God's grace by the power of the Holy Spirit and asked Christ to save you and set you free, today is your day. There is no other way but Christ. He is it. And I'll say it's bigger than just, oh, God, Jesus, I want to accept. The gospel isn't just about accepting Jesus into your heart. It's about asking Jesus to take over your life. That's radically different. Accept him to take charge, God. I I, I give you all of me. That's all he wants is all of you. And when you give give him all of you, it will radically change you. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And before we close with worship music, we're going to take communion. And this is so incredibly powerful and, of course, biblical. But I want to explain it like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Communion is the, the, the bread and the drink. And what we're doing is we're, we're remembering if, you're, if, you're, if you've given your life to Christ, you're, you're recalling what Jesus did for you. You're worshiping him in it. You're reflecting on it. You're thanking him for it. If you're not a believer, maybe you, you're not there yet. That You don't have to partake in it. You can let it go by. But watch other people worship in this way. Because God will do something in you as you watch that. So I'm going to lead you in the elements. You, uh, ushers, you can go and pass the plates. They'll pass them back and forth. Just grab it. The elements are all together. So go ahead and start passing And they're all together, so it's a little package deal. The the bread up top and the drink below, the pull tabs to get to both. So as you get those, I'm going to read the scripture that sets up this for you. Lord, thank you for moving. Thank you for doing what only you can do. God, thank you for the story of Jonah. Thank you that we've been saved and set free if we receive it by grace. I can't just say that we and include everybody because a lot of people won't be saved by grace because not because you didn't die for them, but because they didn't receive it. They didn't accept it. That's why I'm telling you, Meadows Church, your faith matters. Your faith is important. As you get the elements, will you join us for the seven days of prayer and fasting? We've been fasting Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 6 to 6. But you can tweak it however you want and change it however you want. Follow us online for the plan so you can do it corporately with your church. It saved a city called Nineveh. God's going to use Meadows Church to make it not a dent but a difference. Not because of anything I do. In fact, I'll get in the way. But because of what he wants to do through you. You're the church. As you're getting the elements... This is what Jesus is doing when he has the, the, the Eucharist or the Last Supper with the disciples. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to the Lord for it. He broke it into pieces. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. And then he says to them, do this. And he's, eat it. he's saying, eat it and remember me. This is so powerful what we're going to do together here in just a moment. I'm, giving, I'm going to give time. I know it takes a bit to pass the, the plate. So I'm going to give time for us to do it together. So um, I thank God for you. You're loved by the King of King and Lord of Lords. Don't you ever forget it. Never forget that church isn't something that we check off the box. I went to church on Sunday. No, you didn't. You went and gathered with some believers and some non-believers, and you heard the Word of God, and you were, you were encouraged, and you are inspired, and the Holy Spirit's moving, but church is actually happening when you walk out the door. That's when church begins, okay? When you, when you start to love like Jesus, and I start to love like Jesus, the people that don't deserve it, the Ninevites in your life, who are those? You know, the people that <laughs> you're supposed to love, but you really don't like? Maybe that's your action item for somebody this week. Jonah struggled. Struggled. And you're struggling with somebody who quite frankly in your heart you hate. And God is saying I don't want that anymore. You're called to be different. If my Holy Spirit lives in you I can give you the power to not only forgive them but even to love them. It may not happen all at once but he can do it. So I think think it's all been given. So On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks. He broke the pieces. Just picture this with the disciples. He said, this is my body given for you. Given for you. Personalize that. Put your name in there. Given for Monty. Given for you. Do this as you remember me. So go ahead and take the top little whatever pullback, if you will, and go ahead and eat the bread. And as you do, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. Scripture says in the same way he took a cup of wine after supper. He said this is a cup of a new covenant. Don't miss the word new. It's huge. It's a new covenant between God and his people. With Jesus as your bridge. As your mediator. An agreement confirmed by my blood. The blood of Christ. Do this. Remember me. As often as you drink it. Go ahead and take the drink. And remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift you up today. Have your way today. Do what only you can do today. This isn't my church. This is your church. You're the head. We're the body. What are we called to do? Holy Spirit, speak to us individually on purpose. Here's here's something I can tell you, church. The Holy is calling you to do something. He would never have you gather together with each other like we're doing right now and tell you just, hey, just go leave and do the same thing you've been doing. He would never would do that. That's a waste of time. That is a waste of time. After this song, the prayer warriors will be up here. I pray to God you'll come up for prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for Christ. We're dead without him. But because he died and rose, we have hope. In Jesus' name I pray and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.